Good morning, everyone. Here we are live here at No Vision Internet Radio. And before we start any scene, I think it would be appropriate to do a tribute to uh, what happened in 9-11. And so we're going to do we're gonna put a little bit of uh, bagpipes, uh, just like a two-minute uh, audio clip, and I think it's appropriate. Um, what do you think, Mr. Bolsita? Should we do it? Very appropriate. Let's get it going. Let's roll with it. All right, here we go. Mr. Balsita, as a tribute to the people in 9-11, over 3,000 people died in New York, uh, Washington, and Pennsylvania. Uh, so what were you what were you doing that day, Mr. Balsita? Do you remember that day? I can remember <clears throat> very distinctly that I was teaching at Irvine High School. I was in my classroom. It was during my first period, which was my conference period. And I was watching it. In disbelief, I could not, you know, believe uh, what I was seeing. At the time, I could see I had vision, so I, I you know, I saw it when it hit the first one. And then, uh, of course, pe people were filming it, showing it, on t and uh, it was just, it was just something that you could not imagine that would ever happen in our country, but it did. I want that for you that you being a teacher, Mr. Bolsita, and you know, it's just right now, did you, did you? Did your students understand what was going on? I mean, did they? I mean, how old were they? Number one. Well, most of the kids <clears throat> didn't know what they what was going on, and and to them, you know, 
it, it was like a, a movie, you know. Mm-hmm. They were seeing yeah. it, and they couldn't believe it. I mean, we couldn't believe it. We were, we were adults, and, and to see uh, those towers go down, because I saw them, you know, both of them mm-hmm. go down. And uh, it was just like, wow, you know, I mean, it's like a, a demolition job, yeah, you know. Yeah. And the thing when, when, when I saw it, when I was, I, was, I was at the post office, I was in the cafeteria, and and I heard uh, on the radio, it was it's 93.1, and that guy, Mike, I think that's his name, he's like, something's going on in, in, in New York, serious. So I went to the TV, and I looked, this one, I mean, I had vision, and I see, like, maybe like a minute, I see an airplane hit. And I'm like, what? Like, you said, like a movie, right? I'm like, what? And there was a bunch of um, managers from the post office getting their, their coffee. I go, hey, guys, check this out. Come over here. Look at the TV. Look what's going on. As they're walking towards the TV, I'm talking to them. I turn around, look at the TV again, and I see it. I go, look, the replacement. The airplane hit the, the, the building. But when yeah. it wasn't about to show the second building, the second airplane. Yeah, it was the second airplane. Yeah, yeah. When I looked at the screen, it was on the other side of the you know the fire. I'm like, I was confused. I'm like, is that a different angle? But I didn't realize it was two airplanes. It was two. Heard about yeah. Washington. And, and then for those who know here in El Paso, uh, Boeing, the, the post office is on Boeing and Hawkins. So I lived on Hawkins next to the golf court, the apartments. So I'm like, you know what, Charlie, I'm going to go home. So I started walking home and I turned on to Montana, walking, and next to the, the post office is a ICE detention center. And Mr. Bautista, all the ICE agents, well, not all of them, I, don't, I guess most of them, were in the streets on top of the buildings with automatic weapons. Yeah, went back to the post office, you know, and, and it just sad, and you know, people died. Uh, it was a, it was an alarming situation for the the entire country, and then, then of course, you know, uh, they they went to show where uh, President Bush was reading a, a book to a, oh, yeah. the a little kids in the kindergarten class, and they even show where they, you know, I guess the the, the CIA agent went over to tell him that uh, you know it was a serious problem, whatever. And it, it, I mean, for me, I, I think I think Bush really handled it good. I, I will. You know, yeah. I don't care if Democrat or Republican, a man, a president, a true yeah. president. He, I think he handled it with 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 integrity and and with excuse me, with You know, you you ask yourself, uh, would this president have done that? Does he have? Would he have the ability to do that? To to. Uh, to, to react the same way that uh, Bush did, and and, and calmness, and 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 then talk to the to the country, and and, and I don't know. And I, I, I think honestly, I think if Trump was around, and then I do, and I don't want to put, I don't want to put Trump in this story because now he's not yeah. worse in my opinion. But I think if Trump was in, in, in power, he would he would have started World War Three, in my opinion. I, I yeah. think so. But that's anyway, what of, that's what a lot of people are are, are asking, you know, because. It, because you know the, the the pandemic, he hasn't been able to handle the n- nothing that has been serious. He has been able to handle, and and uh, you know, it's, like you said, we don't want to discuss uh, put him into the picture, but we, we have to find a comparison of what the 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 other presidents would do, and he's one of them. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you're yeah. going to have to right. have to compare him. You know, but uh, the thing is, um, so we're, we're not. We we just thought me and Mr. Me and Mr. Mr. Bautista thought it'd be appropriate to show some respect to the the victims, uh, and that's why we play that the music. That, that's so that the bagpipe is so connected to respect and plain honor yeah. to the yeah. past. So 
So, so you're listening to No Vision Internet Radio. We are broadcasting both on Facebook Live and YouTube. And also we're streaming our audio live on www.novisioninternetradio.com. Last week, Mr. Bautista, I haven't told you this, but last week we had 700 views or 700 hits to our show last week. That's good, man. Wow. You know, That's but, awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's really great because it's, it shows that people are interested in 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 finding out uh, news, not necessarily just uh, uh, national, but they want to know a little bit about the local news and stuff. And we've been providing both and you know, hope to, to be able to do a better job yeah, as we go. You're right. and thank you for the support, everyone out there that's watching and hearing us. We really do appreciate it because me and Mr. Bosita do out of really a love what we're doing. I mean, it cost, it just cost me money, but you know what? I, I love it. I do love it. And by the way, uh, we, I found out this morning, I called Mr. Bautista early this morning. <laughs> we have found out, folks. So if you're at home and you're cleaning the house and you happen to have missed the last show, well, check it out. Just tell Alexa to play No Vision Internet Radio Podcast and it'll play it. So we're now on Alexa devices or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I have mine called uh, uh, Amazon because Alexa's too, every time it comes on TV, it'll pop up. But talking about the pandemic, Mr. Bautista. Right now, we're at, I believe, I haven't since yesterday, so I haven't seen this morning. I do apologize getting ready for the show. But I know yesterday we're at 471. Unfortunately, people have passed from the from the virus. Over 21,000 um, have been uh, tested positive. Yeah, I was going to tell you, George, that the um, uh, it just came out yesterday. They were talking about the, the, the of course, the 9-11 the number of people that died, over 3,000 people that died. And they're saying that with this pandemic now, we are uh, averaging twice that much per week. That's just amazing to, to, to even think about that. You know, so twice twice per month or, you know, per per, per week of what uh, the people in, in the 9-11 uh, went through. So it it's it's amazing we've got to, to decide what we want to do as a as a nation not just as a as a state because uh the state of texas you know we're still not doing the things that we should be doing and there's other states like arizona and and colorado and th th those states that the people still think that it's a hoax that it's not real so uh it's it's amazing too that here in el paso we still have people that know that that it's it's a deadly uh, virus and that we're not going to have a vaccine in time the, the president keeps saying that we're going to have it on his birthday which is uh november the the, the third because that's when he's going to get reelected as president but uh, no dice and and the thing is we're not going to have that vaccine either uh vaccines yeah take a while to to be uh well um Fauci was saying that we should have one in several months but it won't be till like next year yes end of next year before we actually get back to normal but let me play a clip mr but i'm glad you mentioned about the podcast or the pandemic i want to play a yep. clip mr uh dr Fauci was, was talking about specifically that about you know the what the president is saying and and i guess him you know his input i mean we have to listen to him he is especially he is a, a infection specialist so he would, you know, his word would be good, right? You would think. So maybe he's the expert. Yeah, he's an expert. I mean, no denying that, no matter what we say, you know. Yeah. You don't want the president operating on you. <laughs> so I go You're with right. the doctor. 
here we go. We put audio. I'm Andrea Mitchell in Washington, where tonight the conflict between President Trump and the nation's top infectious disease expert is out in the open. Dr. Anthony Fauci disagreeing with what the president said in Michigan last night. We're rounding the turn. You see what's happening. You see the numbers are plunging. But Dr. Fauci the same day saying it was time to hunker down. How do you square those two messages? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to disagree with that because if you look at the thing that you just mentioned, the statistics, Andrea, they are disturbing. Those numbers, nearly 40,000 cases a day in the U.S. and 1,000 deaths. When people will be spending more time indoors, and that's not good for a respiratory-borne virus, you don't want to start off already with a baseline that's so high. Another disagreement, those large campaign rallies, even outdoors, without social distancing or masks. Just because you're outdoors does not mean that you're protected, particularly if you're in a crowd and you're not wearing masks. And as for what the president told Bob Woodward about the pandemic. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Those are his words in his own voice. Certainly there were disagreements. As you know, there were times when I was out there telling the American public how difficult this is, how we're having a really serious problem. You know, and the president was saying it's something that's going to disappear, which obviously is not the case. When you downplay something, that is really a threat. That's not a good thing. Asked about pressure for him to say school children do not need masks. That's a fool's errand. No one is ever going to pressure me or muzzle me to say anything publicly. Dr. Fauci says as we enter the fall and winter, we have to do everything we can to prevent further surges and not let politics get in the way. Well, Mr. Baltito, you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. <clears throat> yeah. You gotta really protect yourselves going. Because I think what happens now, what's happening, Mr. Bolton, is that a lot of people are becoming uh, complacent about, you know what, man, ya paso, or I don't have to wear a mask anymore or wash my hands. You still gotta do it. But the problem is, George, is that if if you look at it, the, the person who should be setting the example is going opposite from what the the the. Um, scientists and the experts are saying you know and and people you, you think that they would say well gosh you know i mean people are dying so it must be true they're still uh, you know following him around like a like puppies you know mm -hmm. and it's 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 too bad because more you know he's responsible for you know all the people that have died since he you know since he was informed that the virus was deadly he, but he doesn't care because you know, even his niece said he he doesn't care about anything. You know, it, it doesn't bother him at all, and so that this is why we, as uh, the citizens of this country, we need to put a stop to that, and we just need to vote, get him out of there, and 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 give somebody the opportunity to correct it as much as they can. Because I tell you what, if Biden gets um, elected, it's not going to get you know taken care of immediately. He's got a lot of work to do. Just to try to correct that problem, you know. Well, look what they're doing here in El Paso. Is about to talk about Yapaque uh, because here in El Paso for the Labor Day Labor Day weekend, the oh, city, yeah. put out 50, 50 um, I think it was fifty violations, ten citations. It's six months into the the pandemic, and the city's burning. <laughs> really unfortunate. I mean, come on. How, how many citations have the city uh, uh, given out since? Do you know, George? Do you remember? A handful. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It's been literally a handful, Mr. Bose. It hasn't been that much. It hasn't but, really been that much. But but you see, the the thing that, that they're doing wrong, in, in my opinion, is that they're, they're saying that they want to penalize the, the, um, 
the businesses and 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 you can give them a four hundred dollar uh, penalty and if they're making six thousand dollars at a night or a day um the the penalty is not uh, you know it's not going to affect them in any way what they need to do is you know give know. that four hundred dollar penalty to the individual i'll bet you you don't go to the pizza well, you know, there's a bar next to or um, where Lou goes to work uh -huh. she, 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 it's right there by the police department on Pebble Hills and Pebble Hills and Ichirino. Yeah. And um, she was every time that she passes, especially on the weekend, because she works Saturdays, you know, Saturdays nights and Sunday nights. Yeah. That it's place packed. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I'm like, what the heck? You know, the pandemic and oh, check this out, Mr. Bautista. Um, talking about some the pandemic, folks. I don't know about Utah plays uh, Texas today. Uh, I think the, the point spread is 42 points. Ouch. Anyways, Texas, did, they play, did they play last week? No, they're going to play. Well, they played last week. They played uh, uh, um, um, Stephen off, Stephen off, no, was it? Stephen F. Austin University, I think it is. They, they beat them 24, I think it was 24 14. This week they played Texas, UT Texas, the Longhorns. Uh, oh, no. Uh, come on. It, they're not really playing them, are they? No, they're going to play. They're playing for the money. But Texas. <laughs> Say. Texas is, is only going to test. If I could be wrong now, I, I know this, the the basic what I'm saying is true. They're only going to test their ticket holders for the you know for the for the virus. Yeah, but they're not going to test. Like they say, me and you were to go down to Dallas to Austin to watch the game. They're not testing those people. So, I mean, it's like when the Texas and the Chargers or the Chiefs play Thursday. There were what seventeen thousand people there. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just, I just hope you know, I'm just scared that we're being complacent and this is going to come back and bite us in the butt. I, I hope not. Well, I really the, hope not at all. The the doctors are, have already indicated that it is. It's going. You know, they're they're already telling you that they're anticipating at least four hundred thousand deaths by by uh, before you know by Christmas. So I mean, they're already telling you that it's going to happen, and and yet. Um, People are, you know, are still out there having parties and 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 you know. Every weekend, Mr. Bosa, every yeah. here in our neighborhood, yeah. every weekend they have parties. I'm like, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like, mm, like little. No, they have the whole parking lot or the whole block is with cars and yeah, music. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I don't know, folks. I mean, just you know, we we think the pandemic is you know bad enough as it is. I want to talk about this too, Mr. Bautista. We talked about it, me and you, off the air. Uh, the fires. I didn't realize how bad it was. To oh, gosh, George. In, Can in California and Oregon. So, so bad. I, I think it was like 500,000 people have been evacuated from Oregon. It was just 10% of their population. I'm like, think about it, Mr. Bautista. If there's a pandemic, then you have a fire that you need to leave your home, and you get stuck, and I'm just... Man, I feel so. As a matter of fact, I want to play an audio I saw last night about them uh, people actually taking uh, measures into their own hand, where they're actually they're actually want to purchase fireplace fire um like old fire um uh, fire trucks. They yeah. actually, and and I'm like, you know, that's something I never thought about. But, but I want to go ahead and play this, this audio uh, and I'll talk about those fires. Hold on, Mr. Bosisa. As the historic West Coast fires rage on, some civilians are starting to wage war with their own hands by purchasing their own fire trucks. Bob Holbert is putting his fire truck up for sale. 
do you teach that person how to operate the fire truck? Yeah, if they bought this truck, we show them how to run it and, and how to run the pumps. It may look complicated, but his son Hobie showed me it was pretty easy. Today I'm gonna actually teach you how to use one of the hoses. You wanna hold it and then that's gonna open and close it. But without proper training, is it a good idea to own one? We found all these ads posted on Craigslist for used fire trucks. The prices range from ten to $20,000. Cal Fire Deputy Chief Nick Schuler says owning a used fire truck could do more harm than good. What we're going to see is people that are buying these engines with the best intentions in mind that are going to end up either losing their lives or killing firefighters who are responding to their homes to save them when they try to get out too late. In Oregon, an extraordinary 10% of the state's population has been evacuated. That's more than a half a million people. In Los Angeles, America's second largest city is recording its worst smog in 30 years. KCBS-TV meteorologist Danielle Gersh. This is the worst air quality that we've had in 30 years. We have two fires burning, and we have had more than five days of smoke advisories here in the Southland. Wow, we thought we had a bad mess of bolsitos, man. Can you imagine? And and, and they haven't... They haven't uh, figured out how many people have gotten killed by the fires. They they no. they, they know that there's some that died, but they don't know the numbers yet. And uh, of course, you know, I, 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 was, I was listening to NPR yesterday, Mr. Bautista. So sad that they uh, they found a 12 year old kid with his with his dog. Yeah, oh, Tito, okay. and so people sad. just did not have the chance to get out because the fires, and, and people and, and you know don't know how fast. Um, the fires will travel, but they—they're you know it's scary. I wouldn't want to be caught in in one of those uh, situations. But you know what, George? The the scary part to me is not so much that the fires and this and that. It's the 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 lack of um, willingness for people to understand that the the earth, you know, the needs to be taken care of. And those people that don't believe in the environment, you know, see, see that what's going to happen, George, is uh, we're going to get a catastrophe, a serious catastrophe, just like we we're, we, we have with the with the pandemic. We didn't, you know, we weren't prepared for that, and we're not going to be prepared for the catastrophe uh, with the uh, environment when, you know, when... Uh, You're right, Mr. Bautista, because if you, if you think about it, like the, like the tornadoes, I mean... Um, the hurricanes. They say that's the first time in that, the, the, the biggest one in 150 years. Excuse me, not only that, but there's two of them. Two, two hurricanes hit in less than a week. So, I mean, the, the, world, the world, Mother Earth is saying, guys, you know what? You need to take care of me. You really do because, yep. you know, like the spiders. You, you know, you El Paso... In El Paso, we're very fortunate that we have the mountain there that protects us, you know, in, in a lot of ways. But we've never had, <clears throat> we haven't had anything that serious. No. But with, with the the way that uh, the environment is, you know, we we are going to get something. We're going to get, you know, I mean, we're already getting cold temperatures, colder yeah. temperatures, and hotter temperatures. Well, look at and um, with that, Mr. Bautista, did you see in California this week? It was a uh... I forgot the name of the city. It's a little town. 121. 121. I'm like, that's, you could cook an egg outside in the sidewalk. Seriously. Yeah. 
you know, that, and like you said, Mr. Bolton, I mean, let me ask you real quick before we have Mrs. Uh, Garcia. Ms. Garcia, uh, Elida Ness Garcia, she's running for 38, the 338th district court. She's going to be on at 1130. Um, let me ask you, Mr. Bolton, if you can remember, uh, I mean, it's, maybe it's not the way to do this, but how was the weather, I mean, the climate? Do you remember being that extreme back in the day when you were younger? I mean, I'm not saying you're that old, but I'm saying going back to 40, 40 years. All right, George, all right. Just, just keep it up. Uh, you know, when, when we, I remember being uh, a newspaper boy at the age of 10 or 11. I was out in the streets downtown. To me, that was um, uh, Disneyland for me, you know, being downtown, uh, selling newspapers and just going here and there. But I remember... It, the, even when it was cold, we'd, we, we, you know, we'd just be wearing a t-shirt. We weren't wearing a, a jacket or anything. It, it was cold. I mean, you know, it was, you know, we'd, we'd go from building to building, but, but I mean, nothing compared to what it's getting to, to, to be this way. And in the summertime, and the, it, you know, it, it would reach 102 or, you know, but that was very seldom, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't as extreme like it is today. Now, yeah, we get, you know, six, seven, eight days, you know, great. Yeah, uh, 108, 109, 110. Yeah. Like, wow. And, and you could, I mean, to think about, and talking about that too, Mr. Balsita, we talked about this in the show prior to this, you know, you know kind of segue to another issue here, but, you know, your your pets, when you, is it that hot or that cold? I mean, don't don't be lazy and just leave them out or, you know, have water for them, have food, because, I mean, Porosito, they have, you're the only one that could provide that shelter. If you don't do that, yeah, what can you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, and if you know, if if you can't provide, you shouldn't have them. You know, I mean, simple as that. Uh, there are people that just like you know, my my mother used to say, there are some people that just should not have kids, and that's the same thing with with pets. Yeah. There are some people that just have no business having pets because they I, don't know how to take I, care. I, of them. I can tell you from my experience, you know, you know, uh, my work experience that some people, folks, you know, you wonder like, wow, how do they become parents? And it's just it's just so sad that. You know, when you appreciate your mom and dad, like me and you, Mr. Bautista, like my mom and your mom, and you know what they they gave us, like what they sacrificed for us, and it's just something you miss that. You know, when you see these little kids suffering with their parents, I'm like, wow. You know, like the other day, Mr. Bautista, it was 11:30 at night. You know, yeah. even though the kids are not going to school per se, right? 11:30 at night, and the kids in the front were were playing. They're in the streets, and I mean, literally in the streets, because I, I looked outside. And I'm like, yeah. what are you doing at 11:30 at night in the streets? Well, you know? that's uh, that's the lack of responsibility and the, and and people that are not uh, good parents that are, well, you know, we weren't taught we uh, how to be good parents. We were just taught how to be good people, and mm-hmm. from that you get um, the the expertise on how to become a good parent. But uh, we weren't ever allowed to be out in the out in the streets. Uh-uh. That, my, my uncle told me, and I bet you, you, you probably told your kids this too, Mr. Balsita. My uncle told me, when no lights outside come on, you come in. Yeah. Simple yeah, as that. The lights come on, but I want to say, just go inside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this kid now at 10, 30, 11, 30, and 9, Colgando, I'm like, no, that's not, that's not how it's supposed but, to be. But the, the, then the other thing too is that um, once they come in home, you think that they would uh, you know, go home, I mean, go, go rest or whatever, or, you know, do chores or whatever. They they end up they're going back to their computers and to their to their uh, uh, cell phones and and uh, playing games and you so know it's, it's like you know it's a game time all day long and all night long. When we were younger, we had that what Nintendo and Sega and 
all that good stuff. Ataris. And, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> say, I don't know. Go to your room. We're like, okay. Yeah. We have games there anyway. So. <laughs> I don't mind. But, for, for but, but remember, George, we didn't have – you didn't have a computer. You didn't have any yeah. uh, any electrical uh, games or tools. You know, you, <laughs> I remember we used to have, you know, the medicine bottles. We used to use those as like our little cars, you know, you know going around the couch and stuff like that, pretending. We, but we didn't have any of the technology that these kids have today. No, so it's a, it's a whole different environment, you know. Before the Nintendo came out, we had tennis balls, and we would hit yeah. inside the house like um, – or we found a <laughs> I remember this we found a, a broom and we took off the little top part and we used it as a, as a bat boom I want to yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that- well yeah I'll tell you some stories when I was up when we lived in Sunland Park New Mexico in Merovista by Anapra we used to go <laughs> to show you how foolish we were we used to go looking for snakes <laughs> <laughs> kill, kill snakes, yeah. I mean, it's how dumb is it? I mean, I didn't have that good a vision to go around, but we would go killing, you know, looking for snakes and and lizards and stuff. And then even worse, we would we'd go jump in the river because that that was our, our swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I hear you. I, I you know my grandma. Why don't you mention that? My grandma would tell me that. Um, was it my grandma or my grandpa? I forgot. It's been a while, but um, when they were younger, they would go play in the Rio Grande. You know, just open the inner or the canal. I mean, now you don't do that because you know the, the current would take you in. But I'm just saying that back in the day, like, do you remember? I was seeing an article um, about the alligator in downtown. Do you remember that, Mr. Book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I used to sell, sell newspapers right there, uh, right there at the plaza. And um, one of my, my corners was there, right across from Pem Pam, Pam Pam and um, ah, that bar that was there. And the bus, all the buses would, would, um, you know, come there, and that's what that was for. They would, uh, and they had the trolley know. from. Is it true they had the trolleys from, from, I guess downtown El Paso to Juarez? Yeah, I used to go to. I used to get on the on the on the trolley and and uh, go all the way to Juarez and go to the to the market and buy buy uh, pinole and you know and, and peanuts and come back and and they they let me come get in the in the trolley for free because I was a newspaper boy. All I had to do is carry my papers with me. Oh, okay. so, well, <laughs> I, I mean, it was, so it will go like it will go over the like the, the what's the one downtown Paso um, Norte Bridge? It will actually cross it or como? Yeah, no, they go over the bridge and then, uh, and then of course they turn on September. I think it was a street of September. Yeah. And but but the, then you know I get off and go go to the right there back where the Toro Plaza is and, and then keep going further up and then I'd go to the Mercado there and I, you know I and and it was not a problem for us. You know we were kids. I was what twelve, thirteen maybe. And you know, I'd cross over and go over there and get you know what I needed and come back because it was cheaper, and then get back on the trail on the trolley and then uh, cross over to the other side. And I, you know, I never never experienced any problems. You know, okay. I wouldn't do it now. <laughs> on the line, so we're gonna go ahead and go to a quick break, and we'll come back from the break, Mr. Bautista. We're gonna have Mrs. Uh, Lila Garcia. Awesome. Um, she's running for District Thirty Three Hundred Thirty Eight Court. So we're gonna go ahead and go on a, uh, take a quick break. And then okay. we'll go back. Okay. All right. 
And we are back here on No Vision Internet Radio. We're broadcasting both on Facebook Live and YouTube. Also, the audio is on our website, which is www.united. United. So www.novisioninternetradio.com. I just uh, just to let you know, folks, that next week uh, we're scheduled to be on the show as Oscar Leeser, former mayor of El Paso. In October the 10th, we're going to have a Congresswoman Veronica Escobar. And talking about Veronica Escobar, Ms. Escobar has endorsed our guest. Uh, good morning, Ms. Garcia. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ms. Garcia. Good morning, Ms. Garcia. This is Mr. Bautista. Very Mr. nice to meet you. And Mr. Bautista is our co-host. So, um, Ms. Garcia, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and put your website on our screen right now. It's on the bottom of the folks. So, on the, on the, on the ticker on the bottom of the screen, Ms. Garcia, uh, Garcia's website will be on there for her campaign. So, can you just do me a favor, quick, Ms. Bautista? Uh, Ms. Ms. Garcia, can you just give us like a quick background about yourself, ma'am, please? Sure. Um, so, my name is Lydon S. Garcia, and I am running for the 383rd Family Court. Um, I have been practicing family law for 23 years. It's all that I've been doing. And I have a specialization in child welfare law, which means that I have been trained and licensed to deal with issues that are in the best interest of a child. Uh, I've spent a majority of my career representing children and parents who are in the foster care system, who are navigating the CPS system. And then the rest of my practice is devoted to representing families, parents, grandparents, um, and children in El Paso. Um, I've also been very active in our community. I've been one of the founders of Women's March. I was involved with March for Our Lives. Um, I have been, um, I've worked on freeing uh, our children who were detained. Um, and so I've been active both in and out of the courtroom. And I'm a mom of three amazing children. That's cute. Um, how, how old are your kids, ma'am? My children are 16, 10, and 8. Oh, cool. All right. They're, they're... Real quick question. Uh, how are, um, are they attending uh, school virtually or, or uh, face-to-face? So my two eldest ones are attending virtually, and my youngest one, we actually got some of him and his friends together and created a virtual education pod. So he has five or six of his friends, and we have a retired school teacher who's helping them navigate that because going to school virtually is a full-time job for parents yes. these days. Um, and so balancing that and balancing a law practice and a campaign is uh, about three full-time jobs for me right now. And is your law practice been, uh, been are you um, operating uh, virtually as well, or are you, are you actually at your um, office? I am been working virtually since about March. Um, I have been um, doing Zoom hearings, meeting with my clients via Zoom, and all the courts are doing hearings via Zoom unless they're considered um, extremely important hearings. So there are some exceptions. So you're well, busy. <laughs> Yeah, you're good about saying. So let me ask you this, Miss um, Garcia. Yes. Just so people, because this is what we try to do here on the show is educate voters on the platforms uh, of the candidates. And for me, I'm kind of used you new to um, the district court's platform when it comes to judge uh, running for judge and whatnot. So can you just just give like um the the how it works regarding your if you become elected the capacity of a judge. 
Sure, absolutely. So the 383rd is one of three designated, uh, sorry, four designated family courts. Um, and so the only hearings and the only kind of cases that this court will hear are family law cases. So that would be custody, child support, um, adoptions, terminations, you name it, anything involving families. Um, and so um, hopefully when um, El Paso elects me to be their next family law court judge, those are the cases I would get to hear. What's the term, the length of term for a judge? Four years. Two years? Four years. Four. Okay. And, and just, I guess I could just educate. Um, what's the purpose of having an election for a judge? Because I would think that would be a, a most uh, a critical position to have. And to change judges, especially if you have a good judge, what, what, what's the concept behind that, behind the changing of the guard, so to speak? Well, I think it's always to make sure that your judge is serving their community and making and taking care of the families of El Paso. If you if you have someone who can take that bench and never leave until they retire or die, then I don't know if you have the best caliber um, often of of um, of a judge on that bench. No, you're, you're right. Um, and that's, that's, that's true. I, I think about that. By the way, folks who are watching on Facebook, if you do want to make a comment, go ahead and make a comment that could post it. Uh, be nice. No, okay. Uh, if you don't, I, I won't post it. And because uh, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to do censorship here, but I try to do a positive um, platform here. Uh, and having said that, uh, Miss Garcia, what puts you apart from? Because I didn't realize there was Democrat and Republican, uh, you know, on the ballot regarding the judge. So what puts you apart from the from the other uh, candidate, ma'am? Well, I think there's two main issues. One of them is I am a proud Democrat, and there's a reason I'm a proud Democrat. And that is, I believe that the philosophies and the policies of my party are dedicated to social justice, equality, equal access to the courts. Um, and that is something I take seriously. So philosophically, um, I, I, I am a proud Democrat. Mm -hmm. In terms of my experience, um, I am the only candidate who has actually represented families. I have represented um, parents who are going through, what are some of the most difficult times of your life? I think they say moving, death, and divorce are the three hardest things that you can go through in your life. And mm -hmm. my experience is those things are true. And so, I have been in the trenches with the families here in El Paso. I have answered emails at 10 o'clock at night on Saturday because a father is having an anxiety attack because he can't reach his child. So I understand what it means to these families. Um, aside from that, the fact that I only practice family law and an extensive array of family law, complex family law, high conflict family law, means that I am the only candidate who's prepared to hear those cases. Um, my opponent has never practiced family law. Um, she has been a career government employee. And I think it's important to understand, you can only understand the needs of the community by having represented them for over 20 years. Okay. Now, did you, uh, uh, did you uh, attend uh, high school and um, you are in a an El Pasoan, right? No, I am an adopted in El Paso. And so I went to law school, University of Texas School of Law. And straight out of law school, I had fallen in love with Waco Tanks. I used to come out and visit Waco Tanks and rock <laughs> climb when I was very, very young. 
And I thought, yeah. you know what, I would really like to come out to El Paso. It's beautiful, the mountains, the desert, all of that really appealed to me. And Jose Rodriguez was my first employer and he gave me a job prosecuting child abuse cases back when I was straight out of law school. And so I did that for three years and I've stayed ever since. So I've lived in El Paso longer than anywhere else I've lived in my life and I've chosen to raise my children here. And I gotta, I gotta give you credit, Miss uh, Garcia. That I saw a list of endorsements. I, I didn't really pay attention to last night. You have some, some Beto O'Rourke, Veronica Escobar, uh, uh, Freddie Cleo, which has been on our show, uh, Park Garcia, which I know personally. He's a, and I, I mean, you have, you have some powerhouse endorsing you. Know, that's that's a good thing because that shows, you know, yeah, Democrats and Republicans and whatnot, but that shows character in regards for endorsements because. Matter of fact, um, when you don't have that much endorsement, kind of like, mm, you know what, what's going on there? But let me ask you this question. When it comes to campaigning, like I said, it's, it's, you're, you're kind of educating me and also hopefully the listeners and watchers. What's it when it comes to guidelines for campaigning? I mean, do you have the same guidelines regarding like to, to, to for donations and stuff like that? Or how, how does that work for when it comes to judges? So yes, we can, we do have the same, and I have and I have signed what we call it. There's a judicial ethics statement that I'm going to run a clean campaign, an honest campaign, and a transparent campaign, and I have done so. I would have to say, my dad is my biggest donor, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it has been the community of activists that I have worked with because I have been really humbled to have worked with some amazing advocates in this community. And I think that reflects in my endorsements um, because I have been in the forefront of, of fighting for justice in our community. Um, and then, of course, from a, a good portion of the family bar, and I think when the family bar attorneys support me, it's because they know I know the law and they know that I'm qualified and that I'm going to apply the law equally to everybody. Well, Ms. Garcia, was so I know becoming a judge is more stress. Uh, you know, you know, can add stress to like I, when we had a uh, Veronica Carvajal on our show last week. I asked her. I'm going to ask you the same question. What makes you want to take on extra stress? What What's that? Is there a passion to help? It? What What was What's that thing that says, okay, you know what? I want more stress. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what What's the trigger for that? You know, um, when the current judge. Um, decided to retire, I realized that this was an opportunity for me to serve my community in a different capacity. I think it's extremely important to have judges who not only know the law, but have a great deal of empathy for the individualized and the complex needs of our community. And so it seemed to me to be the natural next step. I've spent 24 years being an advocate, and it just seems that this is an opportunity for to fight for families and, and take care of them in a different capacity. Yep, I hear you. Uh, you you mentioned that that, that uh, you you know you work with divorces, uh, uh, divorces, and and those types of, uh, of cases. Which do you think are the di most difficult or the most prevalent in at least here in El Paso that you have to deal with? Um, I would have to say that most of our cases involve child-related issues. If it's a paternity action, a child custody action, um, a child support action, I would have to say good, a good portion of my caseload I've experienced has involved children. Uh, Mr. Bautista, hold on. Uh, we're, we're, yes. we're, on, we're here on No Vision with Internet Radio. We're talking to Ms. Laida <coughs> Ness Garcia. She's running. She's a candidate for the 338th District Court. And uh, so... Kind of piggyback what Mr. Bautista said, 
uh, Ms. Garcia. Um, just to let you know, like I said, tra full transparency here. I, I, I am a child support officer, so I know what you're talking about when it comes to uh, custody and yeah. the, 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 how can I say this? People, when you, when you see the cases, and just everything that goes into the spectrum of the case, it it, it hurts sometimes. It's like, wow, you know, I feel bad for the kid or the parents. And so, what you work, so you gotta understand, folks. Family court law is, yeah, like criminal law, but you have a what, what I think what really sets apart law or the criminal from the family law is the emotions. People are going in hyped up. The parents are upset with each other. The kids are upset. So, with you being a judge. Um, how 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 can you how can you say you can you can approach that that's the stress the emotions of the of the of the parties and I mean because that's something that you would need to handle too right yes absolutely so I have a family law colleague who once said that sometimes he thought practicing criminal law was easier because those are people who've done something bad and are on their best behavior whereas family law people uh, clients are their good people who are just at their worst because these are some of the most stressful times of their lives you have mortgages that are going into foreclosure you have spouses liquidating assets you have parents keeping a child from another parent because they feel emotional about their own personal issues and so you have to kind of wade through that both when I was an attorney and in my hope as a court and provide them with access to the resources that are out there to really try and refocus back on what's best for the children. Because ultimately at the end of the day, um, having done this as long as I have, I've realized that there are a lot of parents who lose sight of that sometimes. They're good people and they just get really emotional. I hear you. And like Mr. Bautista, he's been married what, over 50 years, Mr. Bautista? Uh, 50 years, yeah. 50 years. You don't I, see that often. You don't see that very often, especially in family court. They're married two or three years or get divorced. I saw one where uh, uh, they were married, had a baby, and divorced in one year. I'm like, wow. That, it's that, common. Yeah. That's, so I, let me ask you this. My question, go ahead. Go ahead. My, my question here is is related more to uh, the parents. You were you mentioning that, that you have parents that are upset with each other because, you know, one of one one of them wants to have custody of the, of the child and the other one and it, it my in my experience has been with with pe people that i know that tell me well the woman always gets her way and in court too they always get their way even though they may be you know they may not be good good mother good parents they always seems to, to get their their way is that true so in my experience, and you can ask a lot of the fathers that I've represented, that is not the case. And with my experience, um, with a good deal of the judges, they follow the law. And the law says you shall not consider gender when deciding custody. Um, I think that there's still a lot of we live in a border community and we're used to Mexico, which has what we call a tender years doctrine. And they presume that children belong with their mother. That is not the presumption here. And so I know a lot of people get worried about that, but I can assure you, um, there, you have a good judge on that bench. That is not going to be cons the consideration. The consideration is going to be who is the parent who is able to take care of the best interest of their child. And I, I do want to mention that. Yeah, I do want to mention this, Ms. Garcia. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm very honest when it comes to the candidates being in our forum. Uh, and like I said, to educate the voters. One thing I've seen on Facebook is you've been, you have been positive. You, you have. And I'm, and I'm just saying because you're on, 
that's why I invited you to come on the show because I've seen a negative not only in your race but in the other races, especially the judge race. Oh my lord, those are vicious people. I want to tell you, it's worse. If she was to run for Congress, I think it'd be a lot better, or for mayor. Uh, really, folks, it's just vicious. The the dirty politics, and that's why I appreciate. That's why I asked you to come on, uh, Miss Garcia, to show you that. To, number one, say thank you for being a positive uh, role model when it comes to campaigns. That to to take the high road, not take the low road. And I, I'm not gonna you know, poke at anyone in Pacific, but there there's a, a pair of sisters that are just it's sad. They, they they do their 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 profession. This I mean, it's just really sad. But Miss Garcia, before we leave, I want to ask you: If you get elected, what's your what would you be, be your main priority in the court, the docking wise and whatnot? That's an excellent question. Um, so there's always a fine balance between getting people their day in court and having their voice heard, and I think that's important for anyone. But you also have to balance that with making sure that you're giving them the time that they need. And so when you say moving a docket, everybody likes to talk about that. Um, but you can't, you can't sacrifice that to making sure you have given that family their hour, their two hours, whatever they need to be heard so that you can hear and make the best decision for a child. So... Um, I think it's this fine balance. So if I, I can't say I would have one priority, but as a child advocate, as someone who has sat on the Supreme Court, who who sits on the Supreme Court Child Advisory Committee for the state of Texas, that is always going to be my foremost consideration. Um, I can recognize people can be lousy husbands and wives. They can be really bad ex-husbands and ex-wives, but they can still be great parents great fathers and great mothers, great grandparents. And those are the things that I really want to always keep a focus on. Um, my, th There will be no predisposition or bias when it comes to, you know, your immigration status, your race, your um, abilities or your disabilities. None of those things are going to matter when you come into my course. If I don't like you, that's not going to matter. If I don't like your attorney, that's not going to matter. The only thing at the end of the day that's going to matter is what is going to be best for this family and what is going to be fair for this family. True. Now, right now with the, with the pandemic, uh, okay. I know there's virtual uh, hearings and that. Do you, do you foresee some time when that, that's going to change, flip over to in-person or have you heard anything about that? It, it goes month by month. So for the near future, I do know we have no jury trials scheduled at least till, towards the end of the year. So I imagine Zoom is going to continue to be a reality for um, at least the end of this year. I also think that virtual hearings should continue to be a reality for the community if they choose so. Um, I think we've discovered that this offers a way for people to get into court and have access to court without having to take a day off work. They can take a break, go into the lunchroom and appear for a hearing and they don't lose their salary. Um, you're not paying for an attorney to go down to the courthouse and then they don't have a hearing. So I think there's a lot of room to continue this, um, particularly um, when it comes to, you know, coming to court is a big sacrifice. It takes a lot of time out of your day. How is this affecting those parents who are not uh, technology-wise or, or literate? Uh, I mean, you, I'm sure you have some parents or families that uh, have that problem. How, how are you dealing with those? 
So we personally, anecdotally, there are a couple of options. And I think the court has also set this up. You can still come into the courthouse for certain reasons. And sometimes they're setting up computers, but you can call in through the Zoom access and appear telephonically. Um, and so that is a, is a possibility. For me and my clients, if my clients don't have the tech capability, we usually bring them into our office, we socially distance, and I'll be there with them. But um, I do know that this is a this is a great resource, particularly for you know the disabled community and including those who may have other you know um, issues, yeah, other issues, particularly those who are neurodiverse. Um, and so I think this is a great new possibility and a great new world that we're all getting used to the technology part of it. But I think it offers us some great resources. I think what you said about the because. People don't realize when you go to court, it's not just sit there, oh, okay, at 2 o'clock, I'm going to go and see the judges. Because they, they set the dock here, like, you might see, like, 8, 9 people. I don't know how you guys do that, but 9 or 10 people in one spot at 2 o'clock and 3. I think the latest is 3, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I think the virtual, I, I think it helps in participation. And it also helps for both, uh, in my case, the NCP and the CP to show up to the hearing. Because sometimes, I don't want to get out of work, or I don't want to do this, or, I don't want to get on the bus, or... Trust me, folks. I've heard a plume of, of of excuses, and uh, so before we go, Ms. Garcia, um, what is your last word to the voter out there? That's kind of on the you know on the fence. What should I do? Uh, well, let me ask you this: If you vote straight Democrat, is that how it works? That you would be elected, right? You would be. So that's an interesting change this year. Um, after the last election cycle, there has now been a change. You cannot vote straight tickets. Okay. So you actually have to go in and manually make a decision all the way down the ballot. Uh, we are lucky enough that they've expanded early voting and it's starting on October 13th. So we actually have an extra week. We're going to have two weeks of early voting. And some of the voting sites are going to be open until 10 p.m. Um, so those are great ways do, to help. Do you, find that, do, do you um, find that a disadvantage or, or, or do you find that to be a positive thing for, for voters? I think it's a positive thing for voters in the democratic process, allowing people right. access, particularly those who work odd hours. If you can get off work and you have until 10 p.m. to go vote, and now on election day, you can actually vote at any poll site. You don't actually need to vote at your own precinct anymore. So for me, accessibility for mm -hmm. any voter and increasing that accessibility is a good thing for the democratic process. Yep. Just, let me let me ask you just this question regarding the voting though because you know uh, the the tactics that the republicans are using now is that you sh you should not go vote or, or vote uh, through through the mail because you know the fraud and this and that and I don't believe any of that I'm going that way anyway but uh, I, I think it's it's it puts fear into people to be, to believe in that that voting by mail is not you know is not good how do you see that? I think voting by mail is an amazing resource that so many other states use. Um, I've been advising people just because we're so concerned about the postal office is go ahead and stick two stamps on there mm -hmm. so that you're sending your mail in ballot first class instead of bulk um, so that you can make sure it gets there on time. You can always personally deliver it to the courthouse, but that kind of defeats the purpose of wanting to vote by mail anyway. Um, by as mail. I said, I think yeah. increasing, increasing access and allowing people to have their voice be be heard is is critical to this process and especially uh individuals with mobility impediments uh you know that 
or even people like me, Mr. Bautista, are blind. I, I think having million ballot is a great option where we can f facilitate our, our vote and, if, of course, be safe. But in this time, to really kind of kick up the, the percentage of voters, because as you know, Ms. Garcia, the voter turnout here in El Paso is historically low. Hopefully this year, with the mail-in ballot, the general election, mm, I don't know. What do you think? Do you be higher? I think it's going to be higher. I think we have a lot of people who who are heartbroken about some of the policies of the current administration, um, heartbroken about their policies on immigration, having our children in cages, having the, I think there's so many issues that we have a whole new gener young generation and I see them out there every day getting involved in politics. Um, I think there's gonna be a wave this November because I, I know sure. Americans are, I think we're. I think we are kind and compassionate people, and mm -hmm. that's been lost over the last four years. Amen to so that. I, Amen I, that. I, I think we're going to see those people stepping up this November. So well, I'm glad to hear you encourage people to to go out and vote because that's what we've been trying to do, and you know it, they need to hear it from people like yourself, professionals who are up there who know you know the the ropes and who uh, deal with uh, people all the uh, of all walks of life and they need to know that and, and be reassured that they need to vote especially the young generation and i think like i think you're right i think the young generation is going to step up this year yeah i think so too and okay. I'm, I'm, i am streaming mrs garcia's uh website on the bottom of our page so mrs garcia if someone wants to reach out to you to donate to vote or i'm sorry to volunteer how can they do that? Um, you can go through my website. You can email me at uh, Ness Garcia, the number four judge at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook as Lida Ness Garcia. Um, I have an amazing group of friends and activists who've been helping me get out the vote. And we can always use more. Um, we're doing it the old fashioned grassroots way. Um, How do you do a campaign like right now like with the pandemic? Do you do You don't do a in house, do you? No. So what we were doing initially is we used to just drop our literature. So now, um, what we've been doing is we put our literature in the door. We're all masked and gloved, and we step back a good couple of feet after we knock. We ring the doorbell and talk to people from six or seven feet away. And the response has been amazing. I think people are are tired <laughs> of being, you know, quarantined at home. They're excited about the election, and so and they're excited to know that you know. I'm out there trying to meet them and talk to them about what their priorities are and their concerns are for a family court. Yep. Mr. Bautista, you see before we go, sir. Just want to thank her for being here on, on our show. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that you've uh, given us some good educational uh, information and uh, hope that you have success, you know, becoming the, uh, the next uh, family court judge. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on your show, and thank you for having this resource in our community. Um, thank you, ma'am. I just I think it's important because what happens a lot of times when you know I, I've been I, myself I've been doing this for for a while with my other platforms, and I just saw that there's a lot of time that candidates don't have that voice where the, on the quote unquote main media they only get twenty thirty seconds, if that, and maybe edit it down to five seconds. And sometimes the voters, like me and Mr. Bautista, we, if we go on a ballot, I want to see, oh, Miss Garcia. Oh, yeah, I remember her. She talked about this. And so this is the main purpose for right now. Of course, the, the, we're going to have different topics later on the year after the elections. But right now, 
I think it's very important that we just bring out the candidates to this platform to educate the voters. Now, it's up to the voters to do two things, vote and educate themselves. And that's why we have this platform. We've been very successful so far, thank God. I was, me and Mr. Bolsito were talking about that last week. We had, we had 700 hits last week. And so this is our main focus uh, right now, Mr. Garcia. I do appreciate Thank you, ma'am, so much for coming on board. Um, for those who are listening or watching, uh, you this is No Vision Internet Radio. Uh, of course, if you want to, if you want to hear our past episodes, if you have an Alexa device, just tell Alexa to play No Vision Internet Radio podcast. It will play the latest the latest um, episode. If not, go to your Google device or iPhone device on your podcast player. Look us up. And Miss Garcia, God bless you, ma'am. I wish you the luck. And I hope. Oh, before I leave, I got I got to ask you another question. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I ask Mr. Bolsita, you know this question. Ms. Garcia, you yeah. may lose some voters here, so be careful how you answer this. Are you are you a Dallas fan? Can I plead the fifth? <laughs> yeah, I, I I just hope that you said just say no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Can I tell you honestly? I, I have a, I'm an underdog fan. Um, I went to the University of Michigan for undergrad, so we've been kind uh -oh. of a lion. Our family are Lions fans, and I know what they lose. <laughs> Horribly yeah. all the time, but oh, that's cool. Hey, isn't that the University of Michigan where uh, Tom Brady won, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, well, I tell George that I'm a Texan. I'm a. Uh, I used to be a, a very loyal uh, Dallas Cowboy fan. When they did away with the, the 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 head coach, when Tom Landry was removed, that was it for me. And so now I oh, am a ago, yeah. Texan fan. <laughs> Well, Mr. Garcia, I appreciate you being on the show, and we'll see you next week, hopefully with Oscar Lisa. If not, everyone have a great day. You all stay safe. Thank you.